I don't necessarily believe in same-sex marriage, but everyone should get to do what they want to, as long as it doesn't bother me. That's a view we've heard expressed many times. Chris Coleman addresses that issue and more, coming up next, on today's edition of The Grid. Stay tuned. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. I know, I know, you are busy doing life and being a responsible citizen. But we need you. America needs you. You have to get involved. Go to kingdompatriot.us and sign up for our free email alerts. That way we can keep you informed so you can inform others. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join the fight for faith and freedom. Welcome to this week's News and Review. Well, here's a shocking story. The CDC was pressured to delete defensive gun use stats. AKA, hey, we're just going to report gun crime, but we're not going to actually report when law-abiding American citizens use firearms to thwart said crimes. That's interesting. Sounds like we're trying to control the narrative there. Oh, and how about Brittany Griner? She gets exchanged and sent back to the U.S. in exchange for Russia's merchant of death. Well, that seems like a fair trade. A lesbian professional basketball player for a Russian arms dealer who likely is responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands of people. What in the world is this administration thinking? Also, the Disrespect for Marriage Act is now assigned into law, but we'll talk about that more on today's podcast. And by the way, Elon Musk is at it again. I love how he's exposing the collusion within Twitter between Biden's campaign and the soon-to-be-seen DOJ, FBI, and other government officials. Well, it was all fun and games until free speech meant exposing the corruption. And I love this. Musk banned several journalists for doxing. What is doxing? Well, it's when you give someone's address or live location that could put an individual or family in danger. Now, the alleged doxing sounds like it might not be all that, and maybe Musk went a little bit overboard, but the hypocrisy here is unbelievable. The journalists were all in for the banning of Trump and other conservative voices. That's okay. But when Musk does it to them, well, that's now a problem. Hey, newsflash, you can't have it both ways. I may not agree with Musk's banning you, but I do have two comments. Number one, he didn't ban you because some government agency complained to him and then he complied. And number two, if you have any shred of credibility, he should get to ban anyone, anywhere, anytime, just like you are used to when the ultra-libs were in charge of Twitter. And finally, as we head into the Christmas holidays, can we just all agree to wish folks a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and avoid the faith-neutral platitudes such as Happy Holidays? Come on, people. Jesus is the reason for the season. For this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Okay, today we're going to introduce the concept biblical authority versus constitutional authority. Too many Christians place constitutional authority above the Bible. So we're going to want to address that. 
What does or should the Constitution say? What happens now with the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act? And what does the Bible say about that? Those are the things that we're going to dive into. But before we can, let's first understand what in the world was just passed with the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. So to do that, let's go to the actual text itself. So let's start with each section. The first one just deals with the title. This act may be cited as a Respect for Marriage Act. That's what it says. So section two is where we really find the why behind this act. Congress calls this their quote-unquote findings. This section is profound as it gives you insight to the belief system of those folks who sponsored this. So let's take the act by each of the three findings. The first finding, subsection one, is this. No union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and family. Now notice here that marriage is not defined. It's just saying that marriage is one of the highest ideals. Okay, on its surface at least, I agree with that. I think most of us would. But subsection 2 says, Diverse beliefs about the role of gender in marriage are held by reasonable and sincere people based on decent and honorable religious or philosophical premises. Therefore, Congress affirms that such people and their diverse beliefs are due proper respect. So this is where it gets interesting. It did not take long for Congress in this act to say that there are different beliefs about gender in marriage. That on its face value is also true. We live in a society now where we can't even define a woman. So it would be difficult to define a marriage when we can't even describe a woman. What's also interesting is that religious beliefs are brought into this as an explanation of these diverse beliefs. And that's actually not true. Pretty much all faiths view marriage at its core between a man and a woman, between male and female. It's that last descriptor of philosophical premises that I believe is the heart of this act. In other words, people get to decide for themselves what marriage is. And as far as respect, Congress actually is saying that all beliefs are equal and that all beliefs are due the proper respect. But what is respect? Well, in this case, respect means that everything goes and that this must be codified into law. But let's go ahead and look and dive into finding number three. And it says this, Millions of people, including interracial and same-sex couples, have entered into marriages and have enjoyed the rights and privileges associated with marriage. Couples joining in marriage deserve to have the dignity, stability, and ongoing protection that marriage affords to families and children. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. This law is about same-sex couples. This law is the in-your-face response to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas suggesting that Obergefell was bad precedent. This is in response to the Supreme Court likely believing that marriage is not something that's actually addressed in the Constitution. But more on that later. So let's go on to Section 3. Section 3 is titled as Repeal of the Section Added to Title 28 under United States Code by Section 2 of the Defense of Marriage Act. Well, what is the Section 2 of the Defense of Marriage Act now that it's been repealed? Well, Section 2 actually allowed states to deny recognition of same-sex marriages conducted by other states. Now, this is important because this speaks to the Tenth Amendment that says any powers not delegated to the federal government by the Constitution are automatically empowered to the states. This is at the heart of Roe v. Wade as a prime and recent example. In fact, just from a constitutional perspective, the Defense of Marriage Act gave states the power to not accept a decision from another state. But this law repeals that and therefore makes it de facto federal law that all states must accept a same-sex marriage from another state. 
So this particular section also included, it says, 1738C of Title 28 of the United States Code is repealed. Well, this is, in essence, the United States Code that enforced Section 2 of the Defense Marriage Act. So it's really, in other words, the law that made the act possible. So it's, it's in essence, repealing both the act and the law behind it. Here at the Kingdom Patriot Group, we have a vision to restore America to her foundational principles. To help you do your part to restore the country, is there a particular topic we could cover that you would find helpful? If so, email us at admin at kingdompatriot.us. That's admin at kingdompatriot.us. We'd love to hear from you today. So let's go on to Section 4. Section 4 is titled, The Full Faith and Credit Given to Marriage Equality. Chapter 115 of Title 28, the United States Code as amended by this act is further amended by inserting after Section 1738B the following, certain acts, records, and proceedings and the effect thereof. Okay, subsection A, in general, no person acting under the color of state law may deny, and there's several things that deny, may not deny the full faith and credit to public act, record, or judicial proceeding of any other state pertaining to a marriage between two individuals on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin of those individuals, or number two, a right or claim arising from such a marriage on the basis. So I could go on to there, but really what these first two items are saying is that it's codifying a same-sex marriage no matter what state you live in. This is the natural response to repealing the act that we just talked about, the Defense of Marriage Act, and the regulations that supported it to say, in essence, that each state gets to decide, well, that's no longer the case. So it's like, for instance, we're repealing that the states have the right to decide about marriage, and now we're inserting the fact that they don't. They don't get to decide. But it's the last two sections of this that really raise the hair on the back of my head. So let's read this. Subsection B, enforcement by attorney general. The attorney general may bring a civil action in the appropriate United States District Court against any person who violates subsection A for declaratory and injunctive relief. And then subsection C says private right of action. Any person who is harmed by a violation of subsection A may bring a civil action in the appropriate United States District Court against the person who violated such subsection for declaratory and injunctive relief. So what in the world does this gobbledygook mean? It means this is the Christian baker who says, I can't bake a wedding cake for a same-sex marriage, or the website designer that says, I can't promote a gay wedding. The latter is a case that's currently in front of the Supreme Court. And don't you think for a minute that this was a haphazard item put into this law. It was meant to directly challenge the idea of free speech on the behalf of the website designer. Furthermore, enforcement by the Attorney General is meaning that the Attorney General of the United States, a.k.a. the Department of Justice. So anyone who says, no, I'm not going to recognize this, the DOJ can come after them, and by the words injunctive relief means they can force that Christian or Christian business to comply. In addition, the subsections give individuals the right to sue in civil court someone who they believe is discriminating against them. This is huge, folks. This is literally saying we will force you to comply, and if you think someone is discriminating against you, you have the right to go after them. If you don't think that the ACLU and a bunch of activists are lining up their targets as we speak, you are living in a dream world. So let's go on to Section 5. This is, I call Section 5, is really about words. It's titled Marriage Recognition. So the very first part of this says the definition of marriage. For the purposes under any federal law, rule, or regulation in which marital status is a factor, an individual shall be considered married if that individual's marriage is between two individuals 
and is valid in the state where the marriage was entered into, or in the case of marriage, entered into outside any state if the marriage is between two individuals and is valid in the place where entered into and the marriage could have been entered into a state. I just call this section the redefinition of marriage in direct contrast to 10,000 years of accepted social norms. And there's a few other things about Puerto Rico and this is how it applies. But let's go on to section six. It says, oh, this is the religious protection section, right? No impact on religious liberty and conscience. So subsection A in, in section six. In general, nothing in this act or any amendment made by this act shall be construed to diminish or abrogate a religious liberty or conscious protection otherwise available to an individual or organization under the Constitution of the United States or federal law. And then section two, it says goods or services. Consistent with the First Amendment to the Constitution, nonprofit religious organizations, including churches, mosques, synagogues, temples, non-denominational ministries, interdenominational, ecumenical organizations, mission organizations, faith-based social agencies, religious educational institutions, and nonprofit entities whose principal purpose is the study, practice, or advancement of religion, and any employee of such an organization shall not be required to provide services, accommodations, advantages, facilities, goods, or privileges for the solemnization or celebration of a marriage. Any refusal under the subsection to provide such services, accommodations, advantages, facilities, goods, or privileges shall not create any civil claim or cause of action. Now, that sounds like religious protection, right? But let's take a little closer look. What's interesting about this is that in subsection B, it specifically excludes individuals. Unless you're an institution in which faith is your primary mission, you cannot express your freedom of speech to withhold goods and services, even if it's faith-based. It excludes, for example, for-profit companies such as Hobby Lobby. It leaves open the argument, as another example, of the Catholic healthcare system in which the primary ministry is either healthcare or faith. That argument is going to come into question. I guarantee the government is going to go after these type of organizations. And while some view this as actual religious protections, I beg to differ. Current religious protections are weak, as in the earlier examples of the baker and the website designer. If these protections were sufficient, these businesses would not be in the middle of defending themselves in court as we speak. No, I believe this is sinister, and it is meant to silence, punish, and prosecute individuals for speaking out against this issue. Now, number seven is titled, this is section seven, is titled Statutory Prohibition. And I'm not really going to read through this section, but basically it's saying that even if you're not married, this act won't change the benefits and status that you already have under federal law. And by the way, the government still doesn't recognize polygamous marriages. Honestly, I don't even see why they threw that in there, because that's really where we're headed. It's only a matter of time. Then eight is some legal language about severability. But Anyway, that, I know this is a little bit long-winded, but what I do hope is you have a better understanding of what is actually in this act, an act that is touted as being really benign for most, but offers much-needed protection for same-sex marriages. But as you can see, there are far greater problems at play in this act. Okay, I see shared videos every day of one-year-old Johnny falling asleep with his face in his birthday cake. If you can share that video, surely you can share the grid with your friends and neighbors. Post it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on Twitter, email it, text it, help us grow our audience. And for goodness sake, hit that like button and give us a five-star rating when you do listen. Thank you for joining the fight for faith and freedom. So 
back to the original question of why shouldn't gay couples have the right to marriage guaranteed by the Constitution? It really is a good question, so let's answer this according to constitutional authority. First, the Constitution does not grant anyone, heterosexual or otherwise, the right to marriage. The Constitution is silent to this, agreed? So you could make the argument that the Defense of Marriage Act was also unconstitutional as well, could we not? I mean, if the Constitution is silent to all marriage, that would include traditional marriage as well as the perversion that we're seeing today. And that would be correct. In reality, constitutionally speaking, this is an issue that should be relegated to the states. This was at the heart of the Roe v. Wade reversal decision. The left freaked out because they enjoyed 49 years of a falsely created federal right to infanticide resulting in the murder of nearly 70 million babies. And as much as I want a federal ban on all abortions, constitutionally speaking, the Supreme Court did apply, for the most part, the correct logic. Now, personally, I believe that a baby in the womb is a human being, and if that's true, it has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And abortion denies the baby that right and should be protected. But I digress. But now to the tough commentary. This is what really frustrates me. This is a mistake that I see Christians making. They make all the time. They make this mistake all the time. They look at the Constitution and say, yes, same-sex couples should have the right to marry, even though I may personally disagree. And that's because most Christians are unable or unwilling to articulate who or what has authority and the role that that authority plays. Most Christians I talk to place the U.S. Constitution as the ultimate authority in our lives, and that's why we should allow these freedoms, because freedom of speech and expression is so paramount to the founding of our country. However, the most important context to consider is the Constitution is subservient to the ultimate authority, and that is biblical authority, the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Constitution or our laws are enacted for issues silent in Scripture, it can then become the authority on that matter, and I would agree with that. For example, I would say most tax policy probably falls into this category. But when our laws and our Constitution, when we try to amend the Constitution, is in direct contradiction to biblical authority, biblical authority now becomes our lighthouse. It now becomes the supreme voice in the conversation. So if that's true, then what does the Bible say about marriage? The Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman. It says that a man and a woman will leave their father and mother and unite to become one flesh. These are not debatable. They are clear as can be seen in Scripture. So why do I bring this up? Because you, my audience, you know what a lover I am of our Constitution. I hold the founding of our government in high regard. However, that authority, our Constitution, is still secondary to Scripture. So when someone says, shouldn't homosexuals have the right to marry? Well, I disagree with your argument constitutionally. We can debate that all day long. But there is no debate based on Scripture. The Bible is clear and unwavering on what defines marriage. And the Bible has higher authority. In fact, history itself is quite unwavering on what defines marriage, at least for the last 10,000 years. Only in the last 50 years or so have we been enlightened to a level of lawlessness in which we even feel comfortable challenging this long-held tradition and institution. So as a Christian, I hope you can better articulate constitutional authority versus biblical authority when it comes to these social issues. And furthermore, I hope you have a much deeper understanding of this so-called Respect for Marriage Act and why, in the words of a friend of mine, this is bad juju. And I think lastly, I would leave you with this. When you're making decisions of right and wrong, when you're making decisions of what we should follow and what we don't, are you placing the U.S. Constitution 
as your ultimate authority? Are you placing Scripture as your guiding light? I would encourage you that Scripture, that the Word of the living God must be what guides you. And when the laws of our land and our Constitution go in a direction that is contrary to Scripture, you have to choose Scripture. I would not want to put myself in a position where I say that I'm following the freedom of expression in our country, but I'm doing so in direct challenge to what the Lord says is his heart. That is what I leave with you today, and that is what I challenge you to do, is to choose the Lord, not man. Until next time. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed.